you're listening to Brits in the Big Apple, the podcast that celebrates the cultural connections between the UK and New York. I'm your host, British diplomat, Hannah Young. Yossel Tiefenbrunn is a rabbi tailor based in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. He founded Tiefenbrunn in 2016, a company that specialises in high-quality handmade garments, creating everything from suits, coats and jackets, to tuxedos and shooting jackets, in a quintessentially British style. Growing up, Yossel's studies took him to France, New York, Israel and Singapore. And in Singapore, he also began to pursue his love of design and clothing studying and also interning at Harper's Bazaar magazine. Yossel also became a rabbi during his time in Singapore. At the age of 21, he moved to London to study at the Savile Row Academy, where he spent two years training in both cutting and tailoring. And he was then chosen to apprentice under master tailor Andrew Ramroop of Maurice Sedwell, where he dealt with many high-profile clients, celebrity sports players, award-winning actors and international royalty. Upon finishing his apprenticeship, Yossel moved back to Singapore to work as both a rabbi for the Jewish community and a tailor at Kevin Sear Bespoke. He moved to New York to open his own tailoring house at the age of 28 and has been featured in Time Out magazine, Fortune, GQ, The New York Times, The Times of Israel and many others. His suits have also been featured in the American TV show, Madam Secretary. Yossel, thank you so much for coming on Brits and the Big Apple. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I would love to hear where you where you initially got your love of clothing and, and beautiful clothing from. Where did, where does that where does that spark come from? You know, from the from a young age, I would dress up. Being a religious person in, in a traditional religious family, we would dress up for Rosh Hashanah and for Passover. We would get new suits. And we were always in suits from, from a young age when I was nine. At some point in my early, you know, nine or ten, I switched. It was like my mother was shopping for me until that age. But at that point, I started taking the reins on myself. And I was started being particular of what I would wear, how it would fit. And question, I think for my mother, it was a bit of a challenge. But I really started thinking about how I wore it and and also respecting the clothes as well. I would... You know, I would choose the suits and shoes, and then I would come home from synagogue. I would hang them up, you know, dress out of the, you know, take off the suit, hang it up, and dress into something else. And because I was very careful of how I treated the clothes and shoes. From that age, I really started um, thinking about, and I wasn't sure what it would be, but designing my own clothes eventually from that young. And I mean, in a traditional family, I went to Jewish school, only studied Jewish studies, and then went to yeshiva, and it was only later on that I, you know, really started pushing in that direction and trying to see where where it would go. It's amazing that you had that insight so young. It, it came to me. I think my my grandfather is, is a portrait artist, and my hmm. grandmother in London, and my grandmother is an artist as well. If not for her, um, he would have never have painted anything because it's after they got married. In the early 20s, she had some paint and she told him to, to paint. I had art. The art was there in the family. Color and art and appreciation for, for beautiful things. My grandmother loved flowers and would dry flowers and would, would create like art out of the dry flowers. I said if I wouldn't, wouldn't have been a tailor, 
between photography and flower arrangements. I would have, I would have been wow. somewhere somewhere there. I think the style and art and color was channeled from from somehow from there. Later on, I realized that I found out that from my mother's side, there were tailors for generations. So again, it could have been in me, but yeah. I, I didn't know till later on in Kalish, in a town called Kalish in, in Poland, I believe, that they were tailors like for generations. So it was part of your DNA. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And talk about the importance of clothing from a religious perspective as well, and particularly from the Jewish community's perspective. And what part does it play in the community more broadly? You know, according to Jewish law, when, when it comes to prayers, or when it comes to blessing after a meal, you're really supposed to like wear a jacket and, and wear a head covering and and clothing is, is, is like so important. Obviously, you know, in, in some communities it's become like a dress code. There, there is a dress code and generally for the men, you know, black and white, at least for the men, there is the, what some communities wear on going to synagogue by night and by day and then eating a meal There's a different coat and there's different designs and going, whether it's going to church or going to synagogue, um, it's always been important. There's something about the, 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 the kind of respect that comes with Dressing up. Dressing up, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think when you do dress up, you feel a sense of um, responsibility and I feel a sense of respect for yourself. And you're, I think you're able to go a lot further with that. It's like, you know, you feel respected or confident or empowered or wearing a beautiful suit. It doesn't have to be handmade, but especially if it was custom for you or feel a sense of, um, you know, it's made for you. There's respect. There's understanding of how it was made, who it was made by, and it goes a long way. And actually there's something there that's really powerful I guess that sits behind it around identity and and that being part of your identity and you know respect and the value that you place on the way that you present yourself is ultimately you know it's the first part of telling people your story yeah yeah 100% it's the first impression you know people say oh it's not important I'm in tech so I could dress up how I want or whatever which is great fine dress comfortably but you could also dress comfortably. It doesn't have to be traditional, but it could still be in a way that is respectful. And the suit is is unfortunately dying a little bit in some areas, but there is still ways of, of dressing up in a more casual way. You know, right now we're working on a pair of sweatpants for a client of mine, but it's like, it's made in beautiful cashmere jersey, but in a way like in a, in a tailored way and in, in a very tasteful tailored way will we'll obviously be comfortable, but yeah. also have a sense of respect. And, yeah. and But there is ways of making it really comfortable. Are they sweatpants for lying around the house? Or are you, are yeah. you like, please don't actually run in those? <laughs> I, think they're, I think they're more for home. You could dress up in ways, of, in casual ways that are really mm. like beautifully done. Or, or it could not, you know, yeah. so there's... And I want to come and, and talk about your, your tailoring business in a moment. But I'm really interested in your time in Singapore because it feels like that was quite a seminal moment and you obviously went back. Uh, what you learned and experienced from a, a, a tailoring perspective. And then I would love to hear more about your choice to become a rabbi as well. There. I grew up in a, in a Chabad community with the guidance of, of the Rebbe, which is the Babacha Rebbe. And his approach to Judaism was kind of rev revolutionary. His way was to go out into the world and to bring Judaism to, to people around the world, to bring the traditions and and what it what it has to offer. You have like Chabad houses in all different parts of the world. So in Singapore, it's not, not 
not actually a Chabad house, but it's a, an Iraqi Jewish community. They, they bring some young Chabad boys, Brooklyn or wherever they're from, to help uh, with the community every year. We formed a group, it was four of us, and we went there for a year and we stayed a second year. And then we ended up going back, moving back with my wife later on after my apprenticeship and after learning tailoring. Fast forward years later, I went back to Singapore and I was a rabbi. And I was also working for Kevin Sear in, in, in the tailoring world. My experience working with many different clients, Asian clients, but also Singapore is very international. So you get to meet also all different types of people, what they're looking for in a suit and, or in dressing up. Coming from England, it was very traditional, more structured in the suiting. And, but in Singapore, it was a little bit more softer. It was more casual, a little bit more draping. And, and that kind of gave me a little softer way of making the same way, in fact, the same way we would make clothing on Savile Row. I'm realizing also that the world, in general, clients, American clients, want lighter weight clothing. In London, you it's common to be working with heavyweight fabrics. And as a tailor, we're working with iron a lot. We're shrinking, we're stretching, we're molding. Ultimately, you're shaping the jacket to flow in harmony with the, with the person. When it comes to lightweight fabrics, they, you know, sometimes they don't flow as well as, as a heavyweight fabric. But being in Singapore, that's, that's what clients want, wanted. And I feel like that gave me a, more of an understanding, an appreciation from what different people want and how to work with different fabrics and an understanding of how, it's, how it should be made with you know, working with lightweight fabrics. The fact that tailoring is both an art and a science, it's almost like there's a bit of chemistry that sits behind it as well when you were talking about manipulate or work with the fabric. No, manipulate would be a great word because <laughs> you really do. A cloth is very two-dimensional. You take the cloth and you mold it so that it flows with the, with the customer, with the person. You could have 10 different clients that are all a 42 chest, but each one has different body shape. Create each one that it flows with the body. So one person would have prominent shoulder blades and then you need to stretch it and shrink it in different areas, go around and flow around that. And, or if it's a round back or, mm -hmm. or if it's one shoulder lower than the other, or if it's for a larger hip, or you're always trying to empower that person, make that person feel really good about themselves. You know, if someone has really slopey shoulders, which I have, I have quite sloping shoulders and it's probably due to my tailoring and leaning over. And the idea, you know, is, is cutting it in a certain way and also kind of adding padding where it's, it's more on the cuttings. Do you have these awkward moments where you're telling your clients elements about their body that they might not have actually Yeah, <laughs> it happens a lot. Before. It happens a lot. You become a doctor in, 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 yeah. in this field because yeah. people don't realise, you know. Also, I love a padded shoulder. In yeah, my okay. view, you can't go wrong with okay, one of those. Okay. Really fascinating. And, and I'm interested in what you were saying about the more traditional aspects of British tailoring. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your experience of Savile Row. As part of that, playing it forward, what role does traditional British tailoring have in modern society? Well, Savile Row was, was an extraordinary experience. Well, for me, it was interesting because I didn't know that much. You know, when I originally went to Savile Row, I didn't, I didn't know that much about it. I learned about it from Alexander McQueen. When I went to Singapore and became a rabbi and then went into fashion and then had my internship at Harper's Bazaar and studied, first studied interior, then, then studied old fashion, and then moved back to London, going knocking on all doors of Savile Row, asking for an apprenticeship. But it was inspired more from, you know, from a fashion perspective. In fact, I wanted to design women's clothing, women's gowns and evening gowns, but in more, in more of a modest way, whether it's for Jewish women or Muslim, you know. But, you know, going to Savile Row, knocking on all the doors and 
and then learning a lot about it and asking for an apprenticeship, getting a lot of no's and and but you know learning along the ways and and then getting accepted by Morris Sedwell and to the academy. Uh, yeah, it was it was a phenomenal experience because from the outside it's it's this very special street and you know where royalty come and and famous actors and celebrities, just very wealthy people in general. On the inside, it's it's the craft, and we're focused on you. You focus on the craft, and you, there is a fascination with British tailoring around the world. You know, there's the Italian tailoring, and there's the British tailoring. They're two very different ways of of tailoring. The actual tailoring is the same, right? The actual stitching or the patterns and the cutting, the finished look is 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 quite different. You know, obviously, I I trained as a as a British tailor, and for me, that's very it's inspiring because, you know, you want to really make that person look really good and look really special. It really depends on the on the person. You have to see each person as, you know, as an individual and you can't really project your way of tailoring on every person. It has to be for an individual and that's the idea of bespoke. So people ask me, do I have a house style? Yes, I have a house style. I'm more of a British tailored military inspired jacket with a rope shoulder, a little bit of padding and brought in at the waist and to kind of create that V-shape beautiful silhouette. Back to Savile Row, it's it definitely has a strong influence on tailors around the world and, you know, as a modern clothing, you know, high-end clothing shops, but it's also, I'm sure, regular street-level clothing brands. Uh, it's it's an inspiration from, from Savile Row. It's the craft. It's the craft that lives on. And as you say, it has a huge influence. The importance of it from an economic perspective. You know, investing in, in a few suits over having, like, ten suits cheaply made and, and then throw them out. And when a client has a suit made by us, it's, they get to, they go through all the fitting stages, right? We're designing it together, but their idea ultimately. Sometimes I have to give more guidance, sometimes less. And it's our relationship, you know, from a tailor to client, going through the, the, the actual creating. The idea again is, is to make a person look good. Right, so if it's a shorter person, finding the right cloth that makes them look taller. You want to try go maybe a little bit high waisted to kind of elevate the legs. The jacket shouldn't be too long on a shorter person. I yeah. really want you to do a women's line now. We're actually right now we're making a, a few coats for our clients' wives. I mean, you said before that you inspired by McQueen and you know presumably others. You were initially interested in women's fashion. Is that something that you see in the future with? Tiffin Brum. Maybe, yeah, at some point, perhaps. Actually, how long does it take to tailor a suit out of interest? If I was meeting a new client, that that first suit could take 80, 80 plus hours. Is that always a first piece that you start with and then build out from? If, if, if it's for a special event or for a wedding, then you, you're making that tuxedo or, or the suit for that, for that event. Generally, if a client is you know, looking to start a new wardrobe, you want to start with the foundations, with, with the essential suits. If it's a business suit, it's the gray suit or a navy suit. You want to start with the, the key suits, that, the go-to suits that he's always comfortable and he could wear in his environments, and whether it's work or evenings. Start experimenting and going to different colors and shapes and, and, and patterns and stripes and etc. What's the wackiest request you've ever had? Or the most interesting. I have one client in particular that brings me his own fabrics. That every time it's something more unique and more creative and it takes a lot of time cutting those patterns. Quite unique and special when you have to really, when there's a pattern, when you finally put it all together and it's all matching and in sync through the front, through the back, shoulders, sleeves. It's, it's like a magical world, you know, 
piece of art that is, it's it's quite quite amazing you created a beautiful fuchsia colored suit for Etienne Charles when he opened at David Geffen Hall a couple of months ago mm-hmm. I mean that was absolutely stunning I think you created quite a few suits for him that were all amazing he loves his fabrics and he's got a great sense of style and he collects a lot of different fabrics in different places is there anyone who you haven't dressed who you see and you think god I really would love to tailor a suit or a or a particular style maybe that you want to try on somebody it's funny because Ralph Ralph Lauren is a great inspiration for me so I've always said I would love to love to make him a suit a client of mine was sitting in a cigar lounge and he was smoking he was smoking and he saw Ralph Lauren from the distance he didn't approach him but then later Ralph Lauren commented on the suit he liked <gasps> the suit Oh, what, a, what an incredible uh, person to choose as well, <laughs> somebody who's had such an influence on the fashion industry. Yeah. I wanted to ask you as well about the relationship between being a rabbi and being a tailor, because I think that is genuinely something quite unique, actually, and, and how the two influence and inspire each other. Ultimately, what is a rabbi? A rabbi is, you know, the word ra- rabbi, rab- like rabbi, is, is, is my teacher, my master. A rabbi is there to inspire, to bring clarity, shine a light, you know, whether it's in Judaism or in, in bringing values to, you know, or direction to anyone, really. I think it's very s- similar in that way, in, ta- in being a tailor. The idea as a rabbi is, is to bring value, to bring guidance. And as a tailor, you get to inspire and dress people in a certain way with a direction, to bring people a direction and how they should dress up and what suits them better. Um, Both are deep-rooted in tradition and craft. Recently, I had my brother, who's a scribe. You know, I put on what we call tefillin. It's phylacteries. We put on every day in the morning and we should generally check them once once a year or once every few years. There I had on my table, I had a cashmere you know, piece of fabric that I was about to cut. He's on working on, my, on the other side of the table, checking my my tefillin and opening them up. And, you know, they're put together. They're the skin of an animal. Everything is, is, is natural from an animal. But he's rolling out the parchment and he's correcting it, making sure the words are right. And they're written by a scribe. He's correcting it with a feather and ink on my table, on my cutting table. At cashmere, it was like, you know, which is from a... You know, from a goat, it's, it was a connection. That I've realized it for a, you know for a long time now, but seeing that together, that was very interesting. It was just so rooted in tradition and and in values, and in rules. In rules, by the way. I mean, tailoring has a lot of rules. <laughs> when it comes to making a suit, you got to follow a pattern. You can't just go with the flow. You got to follow a pattern. You got to follow the you know the, the the ways you're taught in tailoring. There's a direction. There's a guidance, and it's the same thing in, in Judaism. You got to follow follow the rules and the guidance and what it brings, the values it brings. Once you've learned the laws and the, the rules, you understand it. I think once you understand the rules and the, the laws of tailoring, you're able to experiment more. You know, you could you could break the rules once you know the rules. But I think in you know in Judaism that's that's a uh, for me that's a tough one. But it's I don't feel restricted by having rules or, or mitzvahs or commandments to keep. Yeah. I feel blessed to have it. And, and this is the same thing as a tailor, you know. You have to have those rules in order to, to accomplish what you need to accomplish, yeah. Such fascinating parallels. Russell Tiffin-Brown, thank you so much for coming on Brits and the Big Apple. Thank you for bringing your amazing creativity and spirituality together in a way that just makes sense and creates the most beautiful clothing.
Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really, really special to be here. Thank you. You're listening to Brits in the Big Apple, brought to you by the British Consulate in New York. If you'd like to hear more about the work of the British Consulate, please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at UK in New York. Thank you for listening.